This is the Build Our Future podcast. We shape our buildings, and afterwards our buildings shape us. A window into the past, present, and future of the construction industry. There's still a lot of unlocked doors. Clarity with design, craftsmanship with the build. There's still a lot to find out and do and invent. Collaboration for our future. You know, I don't think it's the end of the invention. The Build Our Future podcast with Raul Faria. Let's build. Begins now. Welcome to another episode of the Builder Future Podcast. Very happy today to be talking smart home technology and home automation with Dan Robinson. Dan, buddy, how you doing? Very well, Raul. How are you breaking out? Uh, not too bad over here. Uh, are you back to work? We never stopped. We were declared an essential service, so uh, we kept going. We have a couple of clients who have been out of their homes, so we felt it important to continue and take precautions while we were doing it. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Now, yeah, I'm really pumped about this episode here with smart home technology and home automation. I'm in the industry as well, just like you, but I also own my own home and I get confused about what each of these two things are and how do they differ? Can you share some of that? There is minor differences between the two. I think it all kind of gets lumped into smart home technology. I think the technology is more of the general term that refers to all of the devices and connectivity that you get through smart home integration. And the home automation are almost the standalone devices that individually help to make our lives a little bit easier. Interesting. So in your experience with what you're doing, do you find at least now that people are asking for more smart home technology or home automation. I know you said it kind of blurred the lines a little bit, but I know there are specific products or integrations that you can use that kind of separate the two as well. Well, one of the most common things we've been putting in to all of our homes are thermostats. So everybody has one. And now that people have the ability to program through their smartphones what the temperature is, if it's a little cool or warm when you're in bed, you can turn up the heat. So it just makes everything a little bit more comfortable from that standpoint. So we've been doing that for years. And I think smart home technology, it's slow to be adopted it's kind of a staple in the higher end side of the construction, but for the everyday people, I think getting their heads around what the technology does, and then secondly, the cost of installing it tends to slow people down a little bit. So obviously you've seen this being incorporated more now, but when did you see this rise start? I mean, how long have you been in the industry? I started in the construction industry in 1986. And I was doing that on, well, I'm not that old. So I was uh, working on McDonald's restaurant projects as kind of a laborer during the summers and on my weekends. And I loved it right from the start. And as somebody who's new to any industry, you don't really know anything. So my focus at the time was kind of learning which end of a hammer to hold and kind of how to hit nails. So the technology side, it just especially at that time, it wasn't something that we were doing. My construction experience at that time was in restaurants and offices, a more commercial focus. But like I said, you know, when you're building a kitchen back then, 
all of the technology was built into the appliances we installed, not necessarily standalone equipment that talked to each other. Right, right. So now that you're primarily focused in the residential world, what is your specialty and how are you incorporating some of these technologies into your work at present? My specialty is renovating older Toronto homes, usually homes that are in tight urban areas where access is a challenge. So we've really specialized in this because it is kind of different than building a new home out in the suburbs somewhere because you have to be so careful of the adjacent properties and keeping traffic moving. So still even to this day, I guess we started seeing more home technology get incorporated into what we do through usually the systems that we are installing. So uh, a furnace and an HVAC system, we started putting smart thermostats on those just kind of as part of what we did because the ability to program it at certain times would lead to cost savings. So that was probably one of the first things we saw as well as entertainment systems. So speakers, televisions, that type of thing where you could have music playing throughout your entire home. Those were the technologies that people could really get behind and understand. Because from my perspective, I didn't think about home entertainment system. I looked at something different. I looked at our vehicles. Initially, we had the garage clickers. You know, it's uh, on your little visor and you click it, it opens. Now it became part of the car that you could program in and click it. Obviously, now they've got their own smart garage openers. You can control from your app and everything. But So you were saying really was the entertainment value first that it started rising and obviously the nest thermostats gave the big boom like seven eight years ago i think it came out yeah yeah and you've got ecobee and other brands that do similar things there's even proprietary programmable thermostats carrier has them but they don't necessarily talk to every single device in your home right did you i mean were there any specific experiences that you had incorporating this like is this something that you have been advising your clients to incorporate it in their design? Or is it something that they're kind of passionate about, but they need somebody to guide them through the process and what's actually going to work tangibly for them? And it's not like a mishmash of different things. I feel that the projects that we do, often the technology side is overlooked. I think our clients get overwhelmed with just trying to make the decision as to which kitchen to buy or which tile to use. And the technology side falls further and further down the list of priorities to the point where in many cases we don't install it at all, even though we'll provide proposals and costing for them to choose from. Right. I believe that the technology integration, I think like most things in the construction industry, it's a slow adopter. That's interesting you say that because I believe I spoke to Paul Dossett in episode four, and we were talking about how there's a common belief out there among consumers that home automation is essentially sustainable technology, but it actually isn't sustainable. Would it be more of a passive house that's kind of lowering your energy consumption instead? I think the challenge with home automation is getting it into homes in the first place. It's actually getting the consumers to see the value that it would bring. I believe in a sustainable or a green project, that client would have a strong motivation 
to install other technologies in their home that could supplement the sustainable aspect of it. For a lot of the renovations that we do, they are cost-driven. Home automation is seen as a luxury or a new thing that is, I guess, expendable. So it often is one of the first things on the chopping block when you know we have a structural consideration or if they want to upgrade their kitchen. So sustainability hasn't factored into it because it, I don't think it's proliferated the market enough for us to actually know how it can truly benefit everybody who uses it. I think as well, part of the reason it's first on the chopping block too is they keep pushing that they're plug and play styles. You can plug them just into outlets so it doesn't have to be hardwired in. But obviously there are some tangible benefits to incorporating it into a full design of a project. What do you feel could be the overall goal or what do you feel is the overall goal to incorporate some of these smart home technologies? Where we're really pushing smart home is in complete renovations or new builds. That's the ideal time to install the technology, whether it's going to be wired or not. A lot of the control systems have wires that connect back to a central hub or a rack where all the equipment is connected and stored in the home. You also have to understand what you're going to be doing with the home. So if you're going to have remote blinds, if you're going to have, I mean, everybody will have the smart thermostat, the audio systems that are connected, the televisions that are connected and the entertainment, all of this has to be planned and engineered well in advance to ensure you get the maximum benefit. With some of the standalone devices like the iRing doorbell with the camera on it, great standalone devices. You do have to have some technical ability in order to set them up and get them to work properly. I've seen numerous iRing doorbells that don't have batteries in them anymore. Yeah. And I guess part of the challenge with just doing the ring door system or the nest door system with the camera is you have apps for every single device as well. So managing it is pretty intensive. Yeah. It's cumbersome. Yeah. And now you, you were talking about like to get the maximum benefit about for this technology, you got to incorporate it from the start. What are the benefits? Like how do you advise your clients what those benefits are? The benefits are pretty simple and it saves you time. So if you have a family with kids going in and out, if you have a service provider, somebody's cleaning your house or cutting your grass, you do need to monitor those people and make sure they're doing what you've been asking them to. So cameras can verify whether they've been there or not. Security codes can tell you when your children have arrived or left. They can be connected to your sump pump to tell you if the water levels in there are adequate or too full and give you alarms. So there's all these features of our homes that we manage or react to. What the smart technology allows us to do is control those in a way that allows us to be more proactive in how we manage our homes. And how to circumvent some of the issues that are coming up, be it a foundation wall crack with water, or like you said, your sump pump rising, or even just motion detection cameras. Absolutely. Furnaces, they always break down in the winter when you need them the most. If you've left your home and you didn't turn your water off, well, now you're going to have an expensive water damage 
that could have been prevented. So it can actually save on your insurance costs as well. Having your heat being optimized, that'll save on your operating costs overall for your gas bill and utilities in general. So would you say there's a need for like a one go-to system? I mean, for me, I know from all the research I've done over the years, Control 4 seems to be one of the most robust systems out there that, you know, you can kind of build modules for entertainment, blinds, you know, cameras, whatever you want into it. So is there a need for a go-to system that controls everything? If you're looking to automate your entire home, then absolutely you're going to want to have a very robust control system such as control four. It will speak to as many devices that you can plug into it, as long as they are compatible technology as well, because not every piece of technology has the same coding that allows it to speak with other devices. So it's very important that when we're setting these things up, we work with our partners to make sure that the equipment specified will actually do the job that it's intended. Yeah, I guess because technology is accelerating at a rapid pace too, because you want to make sure that if you're installing something, you can either upgrade it with your firmware or it's easily upgradable just because of the costs involved. Absolutely. Support systems for home automation are also extremely important because one line of code in an update on your TV can cause the entire system to shut down. So when we get into the more elaborate systems, it really, really is important that we work with somebody who's familiar with the technology and is able to not only install it and get it working, but to monitor it and manage it on an ongoing basis and keep it working. Because like you said, that technology is going to change. A software is going to update, is going to come out that will require installation to keep the whole system working. Now, switching back to smart home devices, what are your thoughts on the Google Assistant, Alexa? Like, do these devices as a smart home technology, is it really important for them to be able to talk to each other? I would say so, yeah. So if you're assistant, the voice activation might be one of the most powerful ways of getting this technology into the home because you can just ask it to do something and then it'll go do it. You don't have to plug something in necessarily, maybe put some batteries or plug power into it, but it'll be smart enough to identify your commands and interpret them appropriately. So making sure that everything can speak to each other you also have to be familiar with the devices that you're going to connect because not all of them do. So in terms of educating your prospective clients in terms of some of the benefits, maybe not the ease of use uh, you know, with time, but some of the tangible benefits in terms of minimizing damages. I know you touched on water, we touched on some foundation. What are some of the other things that you know, incorporating this could really, really help? Security is a big thing. I would say a lot of our clients are older and they're renovating their forever house as they kind of enter the or exit the workforce and enter their retirement years. They're really thinking about their quality of life and how they might not be a burden on their family. So by having the ability to contact emergency services or contact your family without doing something too active, those voice activated controls could be actually a very good safety feature for somebody who's a little bit older and might need some help in emergency. And even for the day-to-day stuff, again, I'm not the best 
technology guy out there. And it's very convenient when I can ask a question and get a real direct answer without maybe Googling it or spending a lot of time at my computer trying to find solutions for problems. So aside from costs, are there any other challenges that you find with clients incorporating that? Like, I'm a big proponent of always preparing. So sometimes when, it doesn't have to be smart home technology, when we were doing residential, I should say, I always say, you know what, let's just do the rough-ins for you. And then that way we don't have to break open walls when you're ready, because eventually they come back, but they want to, and then they try to find a stopgap solution, like the plug and play devices, like we mentioned. So what, besides cost, what are some of the, are there any other hurdles to overcome or is it predominantly just cost? Cost is the number one reason why we don't move forward with smart home technology. Even pre-wiring it, I found there's a lot of homes that we've done and nothing has ever been connected to those wires. So it's kind of wasteful in a way. And then we end up with wireless contacts and devices anyway, if the wire gets cut. So I'm not sure if pre-wiring for future installations is a great course of action because I feel that anytime that somebody says they're going to do something later, they very rarely do. So how have you incorporated this technology into some of your builds so far? Well, like I was saying, we have been doing it for years with the thermostats and security systems, cameras and entertainment. Some of our more recent projects involve blinds and powered blinds programmed to go up and down at very specific times can really minimize thermal gain in the summer and let heat in again passively when your blinds are up in the winter. So we've done a few projects like that. We have done some control for systems with the racks and kind of incorporated those systems, put in the wiring for future upgrades where they might want to install additional speakers. But don't uh, connect or, to them. Yes, <laughs> and then generally they, they don't connect to them. No, fair enough, fair enough. Now, I know we touched on a little bit earlier when you saw this first starting to be integrated into residential homes, but... Where did you first get interested in focusing on this side in the residential market? Is there a history behind that? There is. And I kind of like to know why we're doing things and kind of the evolution of our industry. So I started doing a little bit research into the history of homes and, and how people lived and why they would want technology in their home in the first place. The history uh, as to how people live and, and kind of the smart home technology all interplay in a way that makes it understandable why we are where we are today. So if you go back into the kind of the turn of the century, I, I mean, people didn't really have a kitchen in their home. They didn't have electricity. So you would spend your 12, 14 hours a day working along with your children and you would still need to eat. So you would buy something from a butcher and then some other vegetables, and then you would take it over to somebody else's business where they would prepare that food for you and you would pick it up on your way home and then eat it in your kind of one room shack that you might be living in. And then electricity was invented. And the model of electricity was actually dependent on scale. They could not generate electricity economically, even to provide industry with, without having the general population have access to it. So 
they created a marketplace and a distribution network to bring electricity into people's homes so that they could have electric lights, which started to create other industries such as the manufacturer of electric lights, the manufacturer of wiring. So as technologies and kind of city infrastructure started to develop, the need to scale that up and have that marketplace available to consume it created other technologies, such as the telephone. So that kind of came in around the same time, and it started to change the way that homes were built and designed. Before the telephone, most homes would have a parlor because you would be receiving unexpected guests. So you would have to have a place to receive them until you figured out what you would do with them. Now, fast forward a little bit, we don't have parlors anymore because everybody calls you on the phone before they come over. Don't you mean they text you? <laughs> and then they share their location on their app? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so even telephone calls. So the inventions that we hear about weren't possible without involving the general population to consume them. And as the infrastructure was developed, more products came in food processors, for example, televisions and all those kind of things. So the technology actually created the industries and then the marketplace to consume those. Very interesting. I would have never thought that would have been it. I guess if you think about it, flipping a light switch, you know, would have been one of the first signs of uh, smart home technology instead of trying to find a match. Let's make sure there's enough candle. Let's make sure we got to clean the whack. Now you just have to flip a switch, right? It makes it much easier, much simpler. And now it's commonplace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we couldn't live without it. Wow, very interesting. Now, as we move forward, based on the current world climate and more and more people working from home, where do you see this going? Well, the technology turned our homes as we see them today into a hub where we could bring in all of our outside suppliers, all of our outside activities that historically were done not at home because we didn't have the space. You know, you'd have four, five, six, 12 people living in four or 500 square foot rooms essentially where they would all sleep and then they would all go out to get whatever they needed or do what they needed. So, where we are today, and especially with COVID-19, I think we're going to see a further inward pull to our homes as being that central hub where we do everything. We'll work there. We'll educate our children there. You know, we'll be entertained in the home. All of our food preparation, obviously, I mean, kitchens are a massive part of any residential renovation or build. It's just, it's the hub of the home. So... I really see this technology being integrated even more as we start to spend even more time in our homes and look for ways to bring the outside kind of into our homes. Very, very interesting because these concepts seem to all tie into each other, which I never really thought about. I know I mentioned somebody else regarding sustainable, but I also spoke to somebody regarding spatial design where they take you know, people into mind and nature and the surrounding nature around it. And that's kind of what you're talking about too, in a slightly different context, but similar, like bringing, you know, what's going on outside into the house as well, so that now they can incorporate their overall life into one, shall we say? 
Mm -hmm. So what would be some of the benefits today? Like if people started incorporating, you know, some of these technologies, I know everyone knows about the thermostats, how you can program them. So that's pretty fantastic. But other tangible benefits, I know for me, I installed one of those plug and play devices, the little switch for my porch light so that I know, actually not I know, it knows when the sun goes down, the lights go on, just so it's not darkness on the outside. So when you feel that people can incorporate some of these systems into their life right now, that would be simple, but they would get some sort of a tangible benefit. The easiest, fastest way to get into home automation is through your thermostat. These are standalone devices. They talk to everything. They connect to your smartphone. So starting with that is probably the easiest entry point. And you'll notice immediate benefits from that. One of the other things that's really convenient is blinds. We don't even have to run power to blinds anymore. They'll work on battery power. Here's another system in your house that you absolutely want to have for privacy, but people don't really think about the benefit it has for saving energy consumption. If I can close the blinds when the sun is shining in my windows, I'm not going to be cooling as much. And the reverse in the other seasons. So, And you can program them to go up and down. And if you have blinds and high windows and out of reach places, this can have a really big impact on your privacy, your peace of mind, security, and it would lead to some energy savings as well. Now, if you're doing a major renovation or you're building a custom house, now is the time to really look at all of the technology features that are available to you and how they can serve to benefit your life by adding time, giving you peace of mind, and allowing you to really have control over your home. And almost think of it as a piece of technology that can connect to all of your devices and keep your family connected as well. That being said, which I like what you're saying, but I'm always concerned about going wrong. Because you know we always like to think we can do these ourselves as homeowners, right? Go on Google, do some research. But where, what are some rights and wrongs? Or are there any rights or wrongs when it comes to smart home technology or home automation? I don't know if there's any rights or wrongs right now. But if you were in a position where you're going to be implementing a whole home technology system, you really want to make sure that all of your devices can speak to each other. Not all of them do. And it takes some knowledge and expertise to understand what will work in the frame that you set up for your technology system in your home. So there are situations where a piece of technology can crash your entire system because you bought a different kind of TV or a different speaker and updates can create issues as well. So it's really important to understand your system as a whole and design it in a way that it is going to be operating as a single comprehensive unit. Now, do you actually see where this technology is going? Because technology in general in our lives are changing the way we live. Mm -hmm. Like we were talking about before, in order to get something into the marketplace and get everybody to adapt it, it has to scale up. We haven't seen that scale up yet. So the future of this is incorporating smart home technology into new home construction from the start so that 
it's designed and that it penetrates the marketplace and consumers become aware of it. They see their friends have it and then they want it themselves. And then from there, the uh, proliferation will really start to happen. And I think there are some builders who are including this in their new homes across the board. So if they're building 5,000 homes, all of them are going to have smart home technology in them. And I'm seeing more builders uh, kind of in the larger scale are starting to do this and recognizing that this technology is going to be integrated and they're kind of leading those curves and making sure that uh, their clients and their home buyers have access to it. Uh, yeah, I know you're one of those uh, companies that's kind of pushing this technology as well. But I also think with that scalability that you talked about, I really feel that once the regulations, the government regulations kind of come around in terms of saying that you have to incorporate this or at least certain things, I mean, they're not going to say you have to do it all, but I'm sure they'll start by saying you have to include this one thing, maybe having you know the sump pump detector because we don't know where you're going to be if you're in a large house or a small house and just going to prevent. Or by extension, maybe insurance companies will start saying, hey, you need to have this, much like with the wiring in your house, right? If it's not adequate wiring, if it's knob and tube, they won't even insure you. Maybe we'll get to the point where, you know, some of these items are going to be beneficial for the insurance companies. Right. Yeah. Or maybe they end up in the building code. That's what I meant by by regulation, right? Yeah. So, so I know it's pretty it's it's pretty fascinating and interesting. So, what's the next level for you for Dan Robinson Construction Management? Next level for us, as we've been working on, we're always looking for bigger, more complicated projects that have a lot of design incorporated in them, where the owners are looking to incorporate technology into everything that they're doing in their home. The reality is that is a very small percentage of the kind of residential marketplace. And we're going to be looking at getting into smaller projects and starting the vision where we can kind of service what I believe is a really underserviced area of the marketplace, which is smaller projects, maybe helping people install their I-ring doorbell or put in those battery-operated blinds, get them started off with some less complicated control systems that allow those devices to talk to each other so that we're not getting into the really high end, but we're using off-the-shelf stuff that will allow people to access this technology today in their existing homes. I know people will be in good hands with you. I've known you for uh, quite a few years now through a mutual really good friend. And you're similar to me. You're very detail-oriented. So no matter what you propose to a client, you know there's gonna, they're going to have that scalability and they're not going to be left with, oh, now this is obsolete. <laughs> At the very least, they will have the information that they need to make an informed decision. And it's not really up to me to judge if they want to get something that's going to work for them today and then maybe upgrade it and they'll lose that piece of technology in the future. I think it's just kind of a feature of where we are at today anyway. Technology becomes outdated very quickly anyway. So on a three to five year time cycle, I'd say whatever they buy today, don't worry about throwing it out. It's probably not going to work very well in five or six years anyhow. And you may want to upgrade to something better. Down the line. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So Dan, where can our listeners find you? 
Uh, well, we're pretty easy to find. Uh, we're on Instagram frequently, so you can check out what we have been doing lately. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page. We're there as well. Um, you can jump on our website. We've got some good information there about smart home technology and our blog sections. And we even have a uh, document that you can download that will help you get started with your own renovation. You can always email me directly and I'd be happy to speak with you about your project and uh, or you can go old school and give me a call. Well, that was awesome, Dan. Thank you so much for your time and it's been great to catch up with you after such a long time. Yeah, you too, Raul. And if you're trying to get some more information regarding smart home automation or smart homes, definitely get a hold of Dan. And if you know somebody that's interested in something like this, definitely share this episode with them. Dan is definitely a wealth of knowledge when it comes to these kind of things. And he's been trying to incorporate this more and more into his ongoing work on a day-to-day -day basis. Coming up next week, I'm so happy and honored to have Professor Carl Haas from the University of Waterloo, my alma mater. It's a fascinating conversation. We talked a different spin on sustainability and some of the many things that him and his team of students and master students are working towards in terms of where we're going in the future, what applications we could have now, but we're really kind of focusing on sustainability by building through circular economics. It's a fascinating conversation, fascinating topic. I really gravitated towards some of the things he's been working on. Be sure to take a listen to next week's episode of the Builder Future Podcast. Mm -hmm.